absolutely delighted to welcome Lydia Fairman, the Lead Capability and Development Manager for Network Rail, to this episode of the Intuitive Insights podcast. Lydia has, in my opinion, one of the best jobs in the rail industry. She's involved in so many of the critical initiatives that will give us the workforce and the resources that we need in the future to um, to have a great British railway. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. It was completely inspired. I hope you are too. Lydia Fairman, good morning and welcome to the Intuitive Insights podcast. Um, Lydia, Lead Capability and Development Manager for Network Rail is your title. But what I think when I look at the the work that you're involved with um, in that role, and I think I look at the early engagement around STEM, I look at the, um, the, the development of the various graduate schemes, we look at the diversity and inclusion initiatives that you're involved with, the strategic workforce planning that you do, and then the uh, the routes into rail involvement that you have. Yeah. Kind of this is this is a list which basically, if we said, okay, what what is critical for the future of the rail industry? You've got them all on your think list of things to do. This is a really interesting. No mean feat, is it? <laughs> no, it's like, well, what do you do on the other three days of the week then? When she, you... <laughs> it's. Uh, I think. I think I've probably got. I, th- I think a lot of people would say it is the best job in the world. People, when they actually see what's in my portfolio, yeah. are jealous. Absolutely. Well, I was when I kind of obviously, you know, you and I have had a, a few conversations, but when I had to look at your LinkedIn profile um, just to check that I'd got your job title right before we yeah. launch into our podcast and I saw the list of things that you're involved in, yeah. I genuinely did say to myself, do you know what, if I was going to work in the industry rather than with the industry, your job would be absolutely top of my list of ones that I'd want to do because it's just, you're right in the thick of it. You're right in the thick of the transformation that needs to happen, aren't you? Yeah, and it's incredible. And the people that I meet are incredible because you're in a world that everybody wants to be in. You know, if if you're involved in STEM or grads, it's uh, an upbeat, positive, future-facing, and everything in my role is future-facing. So when I, I kind of I started in recruitment and then I went into generalist HR and then I found this work. And um, I always think I like building stuff and creating stuff and ideas and innovation, and it just gives us the most opportunity. How creative can you be when you're working with school children? Because your your whole aim is to want to inspire them. And actually, when you've got new grads coming in, you want to be setting them really meaty problems and projects to be trying to solve because they've got that energy and they've got that kind of recent learning that brings something new. So it's a really exciting space to work in. And it all joins together beautifully as well. You know, it's that whole journey from what do I want to be when I grow up to I'm there. Um, And what do we need in the future? So um, I I always think we're all things skilled. We're kind of trying to work out what we need and trying to make it happen in my team. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, a really exciting role to be in. I think that it would be really inspiring because you're meeting lots of different people who are at that early stage of their career, um, who want to be involved in so many, I think literally every person I've ever spoken to who joins the rail industry yeah. is joining because 
of the the social value that the industry yeah. adds to the community it's kind of it's about making a difference so to get those people at that stage in their career and be able to signpost them towards the the opportunities and kind of watch them learning and adding the value and, and being creative and innovative yeah. I just think wow absolutely amazing yeah be, there'll be people kind of listening to this thinking like so how did you get there then Lydia how oh. did you and, and how did you know that that's where you wanted to be how, how did I get here and how did I well I don't I don't know if I did know until I started doing it so it was um I started as a recruiter in the most difficult field being blissfully unaware that you don't do your first job in recruitment in the most difficult field in the world so I started up what you'd call a recruitment desk in the water and environmental engineering sector, having never recruited before. So I learned the skill of being inquisitive and curious very, very early because these roles were so weird and wonderful. And, and, and that's carried really beautifully actually into what we do now, because when I was learning about all the environment and sustainability and ecology and all of these incredible, you know, small mammal handling licenses, dormas, it was just um, an exciting field to work in. And that passion and energy helped me to find the right people for the right jobs and, and place people. So I started doing that. And then I went to work for a heavy engineering for, uh, firm and the recession hit, which was um, a bit of a surprise for all of us. But uh, that meant I moved into generalist HR and did my generalist HR qualifications. And from there went into healthcare, which is a fantastically fascinating industry with a lot of parallels to rail. I can, I can say there are some very similar challenges. Um, and uh, from there, I went to work for myself. And it was while I was working for myself, doing some generalist HR consulting and recruiting, that a contract came up with Network Rail to look at the brand of one of our um, divisions called Safety, Technical and Engineering at the time. So I came in to look at our internal and external brand um, and how we were perceived and how people were applying. And then this job came up. So um, I'd, I'd said I wasn't going to go for a permanent role because I love working for myself, but I was lured in. And I think the first challenge I was set was the big bang. I had two fairly massive challenges as soon as I started this role. One was get us ready for the big bang in March. What's the big bang? It's 80,000 children in a, in a hall in the NEC and you've got to make it fantastic. And then Neil Robertson at NSAR said, and we want real train tracks. So I did actually manage to get us a stand with train tracks all the way around it at the NEC. And we had the RAF, the Navy and the Army racing on them by the end of the big bang that year. How and it was brilliant. Um, the other big challenge I was set was how do we get more women into engineering on our graduate scheme? Um, and so I did a lot of work with women in science and engineering and we reviewed our assessment centres and that really got me moving in that DNI space. Um, so I get the opportunity to work with Lorraine Martin's team um, really closely and everything we do now is focused on DNI and all of its kind of facets and um, social mobility and enabling that and that as we build that better um, piece is so important because the value of things like apprenticeships and building skills in local areas we've got a fantastic opportunity to do something incredible to help people build that. Yeah wow it's um there's a there's a there's an obvious theme isn't there as, yeah. as you go through that story of your career and it's people yeah and so so I think you know when when um when I was kind of coming through the the school process I didn't go to college I left school went to work didn't have a clue at the age of 16 what I wanted to do with myself and it was really only I think probably when I got in my mid-20s 
when I started to realize that everything that I enjoy doing that inspires me, that motivates me, that energizes me and gives me that kind of like, oh, let's get going feeling was to do with people. And, And one of the things that I used to say quite often was that I'm nosy. And then somebody said to me, do you mean you're curious? And I said, well, yeah, okay, that's that's a different word for it. Your word, inquisitive. It's kind of that, like, so so tell me more about yourself. Tell me what you do. Tell me how it fits. Tell me how it can, kind of that whole, like, what can we do with this feeling? That it's kind of almost people and engineering together. Do you know, kind of seeing how it works? And engineering is only solving a problem, isn't it? And we over-engineer what engineering means. (laughs) We we can be so specific about it that we then polarise it and and put people into pigeonholes. And and you just think, well, engineering is um, getting dirty on the track side, or it is sitting in an office and solving a problem. And um, one of our directors, Stuart Calvert, would always talk about the problem that Brunel solved, which wasn't he wasn't building a railway. He was getting from A to B. And so when we sit there and we set these STEM activities, we're able to say, right, solve this problem and we're not going to lead you any further than that. And it's fascinating to see what people come up with. And then when I look at graduate schemes, we can be too fixed on what's the role we're trying to fill, what's the end role. But actually with a lot of graduates, if you just say, what do you want to be? What do you want to do? Mm. And leave them to explore they're curious and, and you just help lift the curious ones up and you'll find that they go from strength to strength. I, I think there is not enough value placed on curiosity in a lot of kind of industries. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And again, you know, my envy about the role that you're doing is just growing as you're talking to me <laughs> about what you do. And I kind of think, gosh, you know, Monday mornings, looking at your diary for the five days ahead and thinking, right, OK, what am I involved in today? It's brilliant. I'll go from one meeting about domestic abuse to one meeting about an incredible event to uh strategic workforce planning for digital skills and so I have to kind of flip my brain from subject to subject very quickly throughout the day it is it is um a task yeah I bet it is I bet it is it's just fascinating Lydia I love hearing about it one of the um one of the areas that you are involved in you've mentioned just there is the the domestic abuse side of things and uh, I know last year you had um this 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 um support network rail agreed through I would say and these are my words definitely not yours but through your influencing network rail agreed to support the white ribbon campaign and so we're we're approaching that and the day that this podcast is being released is in conjunction with white ribbon day on the 25th of November 2021 and so um I'd love to hear more about this um, Lydia, in terms of, of what's what is White Ribbon all about? Uh, what's White Ribbon Day for? And and how why did you want to be involved in terms of why did you want to get Network Rail involved in this? Why is it important? Um, well, it's I think I think we have a massive opportunity as an industry to make a real difference to people in in this space in general. So um, White Ribbon, are I think they, they class themselves as a global movement. It started in Canada. Um, so you'll see White Ribbon represented all over the world. And the ribbon is a known um, emblem of abuse. It's standing against abuse um, against women and specifically male abuse against women is, is what they talk about. But obviously, in, in terms of the way that we've taken it in Network Rail, we're just working to stamp out abuse in all its forms for anybody. Mm. Um 
But there's no doubt that women are disproportionately affected in this space. So actually, I was really lucky to be working for Nick King last year. And when Nick had worked in Australia, he had worked to get his organisation accredited in White Ribbon. And when he came to the UK, he said, I want to do this. And I said, I'll help you. Um, and I was already uh, involved in doing some webinars on domestic abuse because calls to refuge had increased astronomically. I think in the first three months of COVID, they'd increased by 20, 25%. And then I checked up recently to see what the current stats are, and it's 61%. So these, these are people trapped with their abuser in a lockdown, um, where they're then working remotely. So I could see a huge risk for people where they're interacting with people, particularly women who will be interacting with men at work. So um, in network rail, you could see that there, there are people who are exposed here. And if we don't raise awareness um, and we don't talk to people about the signs that they can spot and actually how they can safely intervene, Mm. Um, it, it's actually a massive safety issue. So there was all of that stuff going on. And then Nick talked about White Ribbon. And then I said, grab it. Brilliant. This is something we can do. Found out what we needed to do to do it. And we did it. And we launched our accreditation last November the 25th. And that meant that we had to have a really good action plan. And the DNI team had already done so much work in this space before we even got near it. They had brought in business in the community to talk about domestic abuse. They'd written a policy. And I remember when I first joined being delighted to see that we had a policy on domestic abuse. It was just going through in my first year. And I put my hand up at that point and said, I'd like to be involved in this because it's a, a kind of personal thing for me that I want to be involved in it. And um and when we started looking at the action plan and what we could do, you just think we're a network that has national coverage and we've got passengers traveling. So in year one, we've been really focused on getting that infrastructure, getting our policies, getting our webinars working, procuring some training for people in-house, which we'll be launching um, over the next couple of months and getting white ribbon ambassadors and champions. But actually now it's time for the industry to start working on this. And there's already the great stuff that exists on Rail to Refuge, where a woman can contact uh, Women's Aid or anyone can contact Women's Aid. Women's Aid will help them get a place in a hostel. And then the network will get them to the hostel so they can travel without cost. And those kind of things are life-saving. And actually promoting things in network rail within our policies will help people. We'll help people with train tickets and relocation and um, moving them from danger if somebody's in, in that situation. So the industry already does a huge amount of things. Mm -hmm. So I'm really keen now over the next kind of 12 to 24 months that we look at exploiting the opportunities we have, we've seen the murder of Sabina Nessa and um, Sarah Everard in the last year, female safety is in the press. Um, and actually, there is a lot that we can do in those spaces where we've got passengers all the time to make sure people feel safe, can see places of safety they can go to, that our station staff know what to do if somebody approaches them. And actually, we can make that white ribbon have a real meaning by giving people the knowledge they need to have if they're wearing it. To help somebody who's at risk so that's where I can see the opportunity um, and we've had one industry meeting now and we're, we're doing some collaborative stuff so that from the 25th and the 16 days of action we'll have some common messaging across rails so that the messages are amplified and people can see and understand what we're doing a lot of this work really is raising awareness but there's loads of good work going on in that female safety space about um, zero tolerance about abuse and violence and um, unwanted sexual advances trying to encourage passengers to report those 
Um, so we can do our bit by raising awareness across the industry so that people go off and read and learn more. Um, and it's very easy to sign up and become a, a white ribbon champion or ambassador. If you've got a passion for this, go off and do the reading and then you're a useful person for a passenger or a colleague. Yeah, brilliant. I think there is there, there are certainly more things happening, aren't there, in uh, kind of um, nationally yeah. in relation to female safety. Um, and my daughter's been travelling um, on uh, on the the trains more. She's gone to university. She's been been coming home occasionally. She's been on the train, and she sent me a message the other day saying um, that the uh, unwanted harassment uh, campaign. She said, "I'm yeah. just sat watching it," and she said, "It's really good, mum." So this is kind of like an 18 year old yeah. is actually kind of taking the time. Obviously, you're a captive audience to a certain extent. You're on the train. You're seeing the video going round. Um, but she had actually watched it and kind of engaged with it to the extent that she read it and she watched it come round a few times and then messaged me and said, it's really good. And like her and her friends are, are all kind of very much aware is this 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 ridiculous um horrible new phase that's going on in the nightclubs in all the major cities where where girls are getting um, injected with um with a a substance which kind of means that they they lose the use of their legs for a short space space of time absolutely unbelievable but it's what it is doing is raising awareness in the the 18 plus um, community of girls that they they really have to be aware of their personal safety more than ever before Well, they do and why should they have to be and that is the point and purpose of white ribbon which is this is cultural this is educating people to realize that that is not okay why should women have to change their behavior because these things are happening and i think that's that that's the the point and they do have to of course they do we and we have to make sure that people are safe and we've got apps and we've got ways of helping people to get home safely. Mm. But when you really get down to the bottom line, you go to that cultural behavioural piece and say, why should we have to do this in the first place? Because that's zero tolerance. This is not OK. Yeah. Is where we really need to start. And that's why we need people to sign up and support this and realise they need to have a voice on this issue and be brave enough to have a voice on this issue. Because you will always get people responding to it saying, but what about Mm-hmm. You say, I'm not doing this at the detriment of anybody else. We're considering everybody in what we're doing and what we're creating. And we're working with all of our networks on this. But um, there is a disproportionate risk to a, a part of our population, which means we need to put extra energy into that. Yeah, absolutely. So 25th of November is White yeah. Ribbon Day. It's where your ribbon action after that. So in terms of how people can support, there's obviously there's a website. There's yeah. various different things you can do, as you've just said, you wear you can wear your ribbon. Individuals can get involved as well as organizations. It doesn't yeah. matter, you know, kind of it, it's not limited to any particular number. So everybody can get involved. Um, and presumably there'll be lots of stuff coming out from network rail lydia and, and the, the industry partners yeah, in terms of, of education and raising awareness as well there will there'll be loads of stuff coming out and anybody can go and click on the white ribbon website and sign up to be an ambassador or a champion and read about what it's all about they can hold events they can get involved in events companies don't have to be accredited to get involved mm-hmm. um so if organized and if anybody wants to be involved or speak to me anyone's really welcome to get in touch i'm always happy to chat through how we got involved. And we've got an industry working group now that, that people can join if they're keen to yeah. learn more. Yeah, 
So I'm going to kind of bring our conversation to a close by kind of going back to almost to the beginning of where we started. There's a couple of things that stand out for me in that um, we talk, you talked about Brunel being kind of his, yes. his thing wasn't about building a railway. It was about getting people from A to B. Um, and I think, yeah, that is what we do. That's the kind of yeah, you get on a train there and you get off there. But actually, there's so much more that we do as an industry. Yes. And, and I'm really keen, you know, from my perspective, I'm um, a bit of an evangelist for the rail industry. I, I kind of encourage people to, to come and join us from other sectors through the work that, that we do around the, the recruitment piece. But I think as an industry, we we, we need to talk more about mm-hmm. the good stuff that we're doing and the social mm-hmm. value that we're adding. Um, because that because there's loads of it and this whole kind of encouraging people into the industry and really stressing that when you join the railway you are actually joining a family there is this kind of you know the hashtag railway family thing that's real I know that I feel that every day but people from outside of the industry and young people making career decisions don't necessarily know that and I think the more information that we can push out about the stuff that is over and above getting you from A to B all of the other stuff, the value that we add as an industry, the, the, the things that are done on the network every single day of the week to support people in, the, you know, in, in various different challenges in their life is really, it's massive and it, and it makes a difference. It makes a huge difference to society as well as the economy. So um, I'd, I remain completely envious of you, Lydia. In your <laughs> um, I want to say a big thank you on behalf of, you know, everybody who's, who will be watching this and thinking, like flipping it you know you're doing loads of stuff there how <laughs> you to do the amount of stuff you do in the in the time you've got to do it is uh, again I'm absolutely in awe of um and uh, thank you for joining me thank you for kind of giving us a trot through your career and telling us more about the white ribbon campaign um and I'll second what you said to anybody who's watching if you want to find out more then um then Lydia will certainly be able to help but also go and have a look at the website get involved if that's something that you feel that you can do yeah, just support and get online safe spaces that's a really quick thing that an organization can do they can get that on their website there are loads of different things so that's brilliant thank you thank you very much indeed lydia take care you too my huge thanks to lydia fairman for joining me on this special edition of the intuitive insights podcast to support the white ribbon campaign 25th of november 2021 Many thanks for tuning in.
My huge thanks to Mark Fontaine for joining me on this episode of Intuitive Experts. There are so many questions that I have as a result of that conversation. I think we really have only scratched the surface. Please do get in touch with Mark if you'd like to know more.